Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1077 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today on the podcast, I'll be speaking with Jason. He's the father of a 13-year-old living with type 1 diabetes. After an acquaintance noticed that Noah looked a little thin, everything began. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. A couple of brief announcements. Beginning next week on Monday, brand new Omnipod 5 content. Remember the pro tip series for the Omnipod 5? These three new episodes will be an extension of that content. Beginning in your podcast players on December 11th. Make sure you're subscribed or following right now so you don't miss anything. For those of you who are already subscribed in Apple Podcasts, the new iOS 17 has messed up your downloads. Possibly, please take a look and make sure that you're set up correctly so that you'll hear the podcast. Go to the show in your library. Go up to the top right, hit the three little dots, then down to settings, then automatic downloads, and choose all new episodes. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Touched by Type 1. Touched by Type1.org. Fantastic organization helping people with type 1 diabetes, and all they want you to do is know about them. Find them on Facebook, Instagram, and at touchedbytype1.org. The podcast is also sponsored today by Omnipod. Omnipod.com slash juicebox. Head over there now and get yourself an Omnipod 5 or an Omnipod Dash. Wear the same tubeless insulin pump that my daughter's been wearing since she was four years old. Wear an Omnipod. The show is also sponsored today by Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth makes the best uh, sheets and towels and clothing that I've ever worn. I mean, soft and quality and temperate, like never too hot, never too cold. Fantastic stuff. And the best news here is that at CozyEarth.com, all you have to do to save 40% is use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. Use JUICEBOX at checkout at CozyEarth.com to save 40% off of your entire order. My name's Jason. I am a father of a type 1 diabetic who just turned 13 years old, uh, Noah, and we live in northeast Texas, uh, due east of Dallas in a uh, town called Tyler. Noah is 13? Yes, just turned 13 in January. He's had diabetes for a couple years now? A couple years. Okay. Is there anyone else in the family with autoimmune stuff? Not that we're aware of. Um, so to say it took us by surprise is an understatement. Uh, he has, uh, we have an older sister uh, who is 16. She has no autoimmune issues. Um, and then, of course, my wife, uh, no history in her family that we're aware of. Mm -hmm. Nothing for you? Nothing for me. Okay. Uh, yeah. How did his diabetes present to you? So he had started complaining about uh, constantly being thirsty to my wife uh, for a couple of weeks. He was getting uh, up to go to the bathroom quite a bit at night. Uh, again, was uh, telling my wife about this. I'll never forget, we actually had some of our uh, friends. He's a baseball player, so we were playing a lot of travel ball at the time. And uh, our friends actually commented on his appearance. 
uh, to me and said, he just, he doesn't look like himself. And that's when I finally woke up a little bit and took a, a good look at him and realized he does look kind of puny. He had lost some weight. Um, all of this in complete denial, I attributed to he's going through a, a growth spurt. Finally, uh, there was one night where um, he actually wet the bed, and that had not happened in 10 years, probably, mm. yeah, eight to 10 years. Quite some time, <laughs> right? Yeah, I was like, oh, that's definitely a red flag. We had already, uh, well, my wife had already uh, booked a, a doctor's appointment for him on Thursday, and we got them to bump it up to Monday, went in and got the results. When the um, when the friends mentioned that he looked smaller, did you notice anything in his performance in baseball? Was he slower, getting tired, not hitting the ball as far, stuff like that? Not particularly in his baseball performance. He he definitely seemed a little more tired, you know, after games, um, and he just he seemed a little puny. Mm -hmm. um, and then when they made the comment, and I looked at him, I was like, he does look really pale. Like his coloring just was not right. And I really then noticed, you know, just how skinny he was looking. Definitely, he was uh, not that he's he's a pretty happy uh, kid, uh, but he was a little grouchier yeah. uh, back in those days as well. Once and you began to see it, could you put a time frame on it? How long do you think it had been going on? My estimate is maybe six weeks. Okay, uh, but that's just yeah, that's just my estimate of it. It, it could be two or three months, or it could have just been two or three weeks. When you see all this, you call a doctor eventually, you go to a hospital, how do you handle it? So we went to his primary care physician, uh, who we've known for many, many years. He gave us the news um, and basically uh, said, you know, I have bad news and good news. Uh, bad news is, or the good news is it could be a lot worse, but the bad news is, is you definitely have diabetes. And <laughs> sent us on to uh, an endocrinologist who we saw the same day. Uh, we were very lucky and uh, we went about a 10-minute drive from his office to our new endocrinologist's office. That's where it was confirmed that it was diabetes. Um, they did think it was probably type 1. They ran all the tests to confirm that. And, Scott, we never went to the hospital. It was one day One day we were normal, and the next day we had seen two doctors and a diabetes educator and were learning how to treat uh, type 1 diabetes. Went home the same day. What was his blood sugar that day? Do you know? It was off the charts. I want to say, let's say that. Um, I think his A1C was like 14. Wow. Okay. When they did that. And I think he was in the 400s maybe on blood sugar. Did they start him on insulin right there in the office? Yes. So they, inject, yes. they injected a basal insulin and did they correct his blood sugar as well? Or how did they handle the, I'm interested how they brought his blood sugar down in the office and then what they told you to do in the first days. Right. So they started us off MDI. Uh, we actually did the first injection uh, together uh, with the diabetes educator. And then they went through, um, you know, basal and bolus and multiple daily injections. I immediately started asking about technology because I knew there was some available. You know, they were, I would say they're pretty conservative in their approach. I know that's probably no surprise. I think a lot of endos are. Um, and they said that that would come, you know, later down the road. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the back then it was your weight, you know, about three to four months before you get a CGM. And then maybe 
at six months to a year, we can start talking pumps. I started advocating a lot quicker than that, which I can talk about a little bit later. Uh, that day, though, yes, we did a correction dose together. You'll love this. His first meal, because I immediately thought we were going to have to change his entire diet. Uh, his first meal literally in the diabetes educator's office was a cheeseburger from Whataburger, which is his absolute favorite. <laughs> what 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 was his level of, I mean, he's 11, right, when this happens. So right. is he shocked? Is he, like, what's the like kind of psychological feedback you're getting from him in the moment? I think we all were shocked. I don't think he really knew how to process it. Uh, what exactly what was happening. I, I think he, he knew it was big and that, you know, it was going to be some changes happening. Uh, but yeah, the first few days, I, I think we were all just in shock yeah. for sure. Wow. That's crazy. How do you find me? I think it was through Facebook. I should know the answer to that. Uh, I mean, but not, not really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to say it was, Facebook. But were you and, looking were you looking for something? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I I mean, I was looking around. I think I'd seen uh, a couple of other, you know, diabetes uh groups uh on Facebook. I think I read across you guys and Scott, I'd never listened to a podcast in my life. <laughs> um as usual, I'm, I'm about 10, 10 years behind the world on some of this stuff. But I remember listening uh to your show and just thinking, wow, that he made it digestible to talk about, you know, diabetes. Yeah, I discovered the show. I want to say we were, it was definitely a year after diagnosis. I want to say it was more like 16, 17 months. That's not long at all. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I have to admit, I am a little jealous when I see newly diagnosed people that found you within the first month. Because oh, nice. we were a little bit, I mean, we have a great endo. I have nothing but praise for our endo and our diabetes educator, but we were still just kind of lost at sea at times. As soon as we started listening to your podcast, uh, things started changing for us rapidly. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. He was diagnosed during, so people whose kids don't play travel sports, like it blurs together. Like, was this the spring season, the summer season, or the fall season? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess technically it was the spring season, um, okay. and we kept playing. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, because you headed into the heat of the year then and kept playing. Oh, yes. Was that oh, di yes. more difficult in the beginning? It was. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're still learning something every single day. Uh, but yes, we learned quickly that uh, heat could affect him. Uh, dehydration took me a while to learn that one. Mm -hmm. uh, but dehydration uh, could affect him. And of course, again, we were, you know, MDI at first. We really started pushing for a CGM. And luckily, uh, his diagnosis day was February 9th of 2021. And uh, I think it was March. It was about a month later. Um, I talked our endo into prescribing a Dexcom to us. Nice. And that, that opened up the world big time. Yeah. Until then, you just... I don't know how to put it exactly. It's the same. Wing it. I, it's, it's like when I let my, we don't have a fence around our property. And I just said property, like I have 20 acres. It's my yard, <laughs> but we don't have a fence around our backyard. So we sort of, um, my, I'm in the middle of two. Obviously there's a neighbor on my left and neighbor on my right. And the three of us, we made a gentleman's agreement a long time ago, not to fence in the property. 
so when you walk outside, you get this very wide open, you know, more open feeling because there's you know, just no sight lines like knocking down when you look out. You know, I look into my right. neighbor's backyard. It feels like it's mine. Anyway, every time I let my dog out, I have that feeling. I'm like, I wonder if this is going to go the way I want it to. <laughs> <laughs> is he going to wander off? Am I going to be in my neighbor's backyard five minutes ago going, <laughs> remember when we said we wouldn't put up fences? I bet you regret that. And uh, <laughs> Or, you know, like I just, when Arden was first playing s- softball with diabetes, I mean, I didn't know what was happening. And, you know, you added a CGM and back then, I mean, was that the Dexcom, I don't know, seven plus, which I know people are like, but the seven is just out. I'm like, no, their numbering system was off in the beginning. It was like Dexcom seven plus. Then it went to, I don't know, I forget G4, then G5. Anyway, point is a lot of generations ago. And even that thing was, you know, it did its best, but it, it lagged a little bit. And I just remember never feeling like I knew what I was knowing what I was doing. And, um, oh, yeah. you know, it's just, it's a, it's a terrible feeling. He, um, didn't know. Um, it sounds like you're very involved in his blood sugars and helping him. So, which is great. But I'm, what I'm saying is, is like, are you shouldering a lot of the concern while he's being active and doing his things? I sleep on cozy earth sheets. I wear cozy earth joggers and sweatshirts, and I dry my bits off after every shower with the cozy earth waffle towels. And you may be thinking, yeah, sure, Scott. Well, they gave you that stuff because you do ads for them. Hmm. They gave me some of it. A lot of it I bought on my own with my money and the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. I saved 40% on the sweatpants I'm wearing right now using my offer code. I saved 40% on a second pair of sheets that I bought using the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. This stuff is high quality, incredibly comfortable. It washes well, it wears well, it sleeps well, it dries well. CozyEarth.com. Use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout to save 40%. Oh, definitely. I am, uh, of the two of us, I am the most OCD, and I am always uh, trying to stay on top of things, uh, particularly when he's playing sports, but even throughout the day, uh, trying to tighten up the reins that we have set for him and... uh I, uh, I've been told that I might be a little overly competitive. Um, so it's a, it's almost a competition to see how I, how low I can get his blood sugars, uh, in a healthy range, of course. Yeah. But yeah, I, I keep an eye on it. My wife, she does a lot as well, but as far as keeping an eye on blood sugars and, uh, using text messaging, which thank you for that suggestion, uh, back and forth throughout school, it's a lifesaver to make sure that he's, you know, watching his numbers himself. Uh, I, I kind of take the lead on that. Yeah. That, that, that one uh, bit me this weekend. I gave, uh, I gave a three day talk at a private event this weekend um, for people of the Orthodox uh, Jewish faith. And a lot okay. of, a lot of them don't use technology. Uh, and some of them, even if they have a phone, it's just a flip phone. Right. And I'm, I'm, st- I'm standing in front of like 400 people. And somebody says, what's your best advice for helping a child? And I was like, text messaging. And then I went, and I was like, hold on, I'll come up with something different. Give me a second. (laughs) Put you on the spot, huh? Yeah, I was like, "Uh uh-oh. Better think I can't just reach into my bag of tricks and say my thing. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But anyway, we, we kept talking. We thought about other ways to handle it. 
<laughs> I I mean, honestly, that's that's my honest first thought. How, what's the most? I mean, aside from how to deliver insulin or a CGM, you know, what's the what's the the best technology for managing a child with type one? I think is texting. So yeah, yeah. we also um, we I say recently it's been about six months now. I purchased him a, an Apple Watch mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of times I would text him and his phone would either be in his locker or it'd be in his back pocket. And he just, you know, didn't realize I had texted. And now we can, you know, actually have text messages coming through to his Apple watch. And it's been amazing the difference that's made as far as at least getting a thumbs up in recognition of me texting him. Um, so yeah. well, I, I think it's nice that you get a thumbs up. I get stop, <laughs> but at least I know she's Arn's a little older. So I'm sure those days are coming for, uh, for me and Noah. It might be worse than stop. <laughs> yeah, at, at, le- at least I know. At least I know she sees it. <laughs> right. But, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, is stop going to be fuck off one day? <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. Hey, all of those are confirmation. <laughs> that, honestly, you saw it. I don't care what you say back. <laughs> that's all I care about. Honestly, so you can send a letter, a dot. I mean, unless it's like, unless it looks like you're trailing off while you're touching the keys, <laughs> it's just then maybe I'm going to need an actual word. Uh, but that's amazing. So you got him a, a CGM before a pump? Yes. Okay. Yes. We, uh, we got the CGM. <laughs> You'll love this. So we love traveling uh, big time, mm-hmm. uh, travel as much as possible. And we, again, diagnosed February 9th. Our spring break, I want to say, was, we'll just say mid-March. So five weeks later, we were, I think we received the Dexcom two days before we left to go on our trip. And we flew from Texas uh, to Charleston, and then we road-tripped both the Carolinas, Virginia, West Virginia, Kentucky, and then uh, flew back home from Nashville. Uh, So to say it was a trial by fire learning the CGM, we learned how to use it on the road. Wow. By the way, that that trip almost was a John Denver song, I think. (laughs) We may have been uh, singing a few of his tunes while we were <laughs> driving through the Blue Ridge. <laughs> I mean, it would seem appropriate. So you're on a plane and then in a rental vehicle, even like not even your car. Right. And figuring out, well, at least you're in close quarters. It probably, I mean, I don't know. Did it make it easier? Or I guess the other no, thing is. No, that's a good point. It it really, uh, it definitely did not hurt things uh, that we were all together. Uh, we learned very quickly. Uh, I think it was our first night in Charleston. We had probably third day with the actual Dexcom G6. We had, I believe it was pizza for dinner because clearly we're on a health kick with some of our diet choices here. And then we had ice cream uh, for dessert. And I want to say we had the ice cream around 7 to 8 p.m. That was a long night. Just <laughs> <laughs> go to bed at like 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> yes. High alarm after high alarm. <laughs> Testing for ketones. It was, yes. We we learned something very valuable that day. If you're going to eat that stuff, maybe lunchtime is a better choice. <laughs> oh, do, do you think Arden shouldn't have changed her CGM for the first time from G6 to G7 by herself last night at midnight? Because that's what I was telling her. The whole evening, you could just do it now. You could just do it now. You could no, okay. Well, she's saying it's only a thirty minute warm up. That's going to make it all better. How about I'm getting a FaceTime at like one o'clock in the morning? Am I doing this right? Her. 
showing me the sensor on FaceTime. I'm like, what is happening exactly? And she's like, is this like, just push it down like this and then push the, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I, and I, all I could think was, oh, I'm never going to sleep. <laughs> yeah, we, we have started doing uh, Dexcom sensor changes. We used to do them in the evenings and we switched to first thing in the mornings. Mm-hmm. I like having the entire day. I mean, prior to him leaving for school, of course. I like having the entire day to see how it's going to function uh, because just like you've said many times, you know, the first few hours can, yeah. can be a little wonky, which I think that might be the first time I've ever used the term wonky in my life. But <laughs> I'm glad I can add to your. <laughs> That's right. You're your, expanding my vocabulary. Your, your word choices it. are just drifting. <laughs> Wait till you see all the Yiddish I learned at my thing this weekend. You're gonna get you're gonna be getting that over the next wait. year on the podcast. Um, and I was able to like check on some of my pronunciations. Uh, anyway, here's as good as anywhere else, Jason. So they um, were doing meals, right? So one of the things we did this weekend, which was very interesting, was they would bring us meals up, and the food was just very different stuff I had never seen before in a lot of cases. And they wanted us, uh, me and the other person who were presenting over the weekend, like just guess these carbs, like tell us what you think. So I get this bowl, it has beans in it, and then there's a thing on top of it. I don't know, even know how to describe it. And I put my fork in it and held it up, and I'm in front of a room of like, 200 people eating their meal. I'm like, what's this? And I hear kishka, kishka. I'm like, it's a kishka? Yes. And then I somebody comes over, they say it's flour, it's pressed together, there's oil in it, they explain it. And I'm like, okay. And I put it down, and then it hits me. And I turn to the, the MC and I go, well, if that's a kishka, then where does the term eating my kishkas out come from? So the room explodes in laughter because I don't really know what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like I just have these couple of Yiddish terms I know. (laughs) I don't really know them. Anyway, after everyone stopped, uh, it was very interesting about what a kishka is. (laughs) And I guessed the carbs pretty correctly. So I was really, really thrilled with myself. (laughs) I'm sorry, I got myself off track. Well, no, I, I, awesome. I had a question about the um, about the trip. You wouldn't have known about being sedentary and higher blood sugars without the CGM. That's right. You figured that out in the car, I imagine? I don't know if we even figured it out that quickly, just how activity... I mean, again, we were six weeks post-diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really didn't at that point know about still versus exercising or even just walking, not even exercising, just being active versus being still and how much that can affect uh, diabetes. Yeah. Uh, that that came later on as well. Well, the reason it made me, like it kind of popped in my head was, I mean, listen, my son grew up playing baseball in New Jersey and it was incredibly competitive and year round. And I'm imagining it's worse in Texas. So like, it, it, I bet your kid's moving constantly almost. And then all of a sudden you're sitting still. That's what, that's what made it pop for me. I think we learned more on that. Um, we are also big, uh, Disney fans and try to go to the parks on a, a pretty regular basis. It's kind of hard, hard to go super regular when you live in Texas, just all the walking in those parks. Uh, I think that's where the light bulb, uh, kind of started going off for me is, you know, wow, it, it's such a difference. Uh, between dosing when I know he's going to be, you know, inside on a rainy day playing video games or watching movies versus, you know, walking 10 miles in a day, uh, riding all the rides. Yeah. Disney's such an interesting example of, of craziness because all the walking, you know, driving your blood sugar down, and then you could experience adrenaline 
bursts and then gone, oh, yeah. and then bursts and then gone. So these two things, they could almost counterbalance each other. And then whatever happens last is where you end up. For sure. And adrenaline for him, um, he, he is, a, is a pitcher. So a lot of the baseball games he's uh, playing and pitching. And I, I noticed very quickly that when he was pitching, which he loves to pitch, his adrenaline would get going mm. and he would just inevitably start skyrocketing. Uh, so I, I started dosing before games where I knew he was going to pitch and then games where he was just playing the field, he might go up some, but he wasn't going to go up as high because his adrenaline wasn't as high. Are you seeing the, um, the adrenaline that exists at a game, even just playing the field, but it doesn't exist at practice? Have you seen that phenomenon? My daughter Arden has been wearing an Omnipod since she was four years old, and she is now 19. That is every day wearing an Omnipod for the last 15 years. I think what we love most about Omnipod is that it doesn't have any tubing. But, uh, I don't know, is that the thing you love most about it? You don't have to take it off to swim or bathe. You can leave it on for activity and exercise. It's small. I don't, I mean, it's so easy to put on, right? To fill it and to put it on, it's just, it takes us no time at all. Um, yeah, I guess it's hard to figure out what my favorite thing about Omnipod is. I guess I'll just say that my daughter loves it. It's easy and it's worked for her for so many years. It's just such a friend in all of this. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. You can check your coverage there for your insurance uh, or take a test drive, right? Would you like a free trial of the Omnipod? You can do that there as well. And you can just get started. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Now you have a decision to make. Do you want the Omnipod Dash, which is an insulin pump where you make all the decisions? Or do you want the Omnipod 5? Now the Omnipod 5 is the first and only tubeless automated insulin delivery system to integrate with the Dexcom G6. And it's available for people with type 1 diabetes ages 2 years and older. It features smart adjust technology, and it's going to help you to protect against highs and lows both day and night. That's an algorithm-based system, making decisions about insulin, giving it, and taking it away. It's pretty damn cool. Omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. When you use those links, you're supporting the production of the podcast and helping to keep it free and plentiful. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Practice. I, we don't really worry about practice and dosing them. It's when those competitive juices get going and you're about to face your opponent, that's when he normally starts going high. Well, the good news there is if he still pitches and isn't a starter, at least from the stands, you'll know when he's getting ready to go in. Right. <laughs> exactly. You'll hear beep, 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 beep. Turn to your wife. You go, hey, I know he's about to pitch. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Oh, man. Do you know, uh, in my son's freshman year of college, it was very much at the end of his the first season, and they traveled out of state pretty far, actually, to play a conference rival. And at that point, they were basically like neck and neck to win the division. And um, game one comes, my son's a freshman. They did not play freshman regularly. I think he had a handful of at-bats and I think threw a few pitches in a couple of games, right? And like weekday games, they didn't trust him or anything. They didn't even know him. So my wife and I, we drive. It's like a four-hour drive for us to this place. We spend the night. We get up. We come to the game. We're just there to support them. I honestly don't expect to see him play. About the fourth or fifth inning, my wife, who knows 
not a ton about baseball, leans over to me and she says, I, I hope we're getting rid of this starter. He's he's falling apart. And I was like, yeah, well, if my wife sees it, then I'm assuming we've all seen it. And so like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. And uh, not that she's silly. She just doesn't love baseball the same way. And I look way down left field. The uh, bullpen's just so far away. I kind of can't even see. I'm like, oh, we have somebody going, you know. And then a few minutes later, that somebody was Cole coming running up the left field line. And I'm like, wait, what's going on? Like my son who showed up at college to play center field and maybe pitched in high school, you know, I don't know, six, ten times and travel every once in a while, but has a like it still does has a really good arm. And the next thing I know, in like a tie game, he's walking out of the field. And I bet I, your blood sugars were going. I up I bet you point. my blood sugars were going up. Is exactly what I was thinking. You didn't have the uh, the Dexcom on you testing it out. You could have seen. <laughs> so I'm usually I'm I'm very pragmatic. So a bunch of parents are looking at me and they're like, "Are you nervous?" I'm like, "No." And they're like, "Why not?" I'm like, "I wouldn't have put him in there. This is a mistake." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "No, neither I nor he is responsible for this horrible coaching error." <laughs> <laughs> But he actually got yeah. th- three innings. He didn't give up a run in three innings. So, oh, that's awesome. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I received the same question at a uh, junior high baseball game uh, just about uh, a couple months ago. And I, I had the same answer that I almost felt a little bad for giving the answer. I didn't want to come off as arrogant or anything. But a couple of fathers asked me, he's like, are you, are you nervous? No, what's going on? I was like, no, I'm not, he's either going to perform or he's not. Yeah. There's literally nothing I can do right now except watch him and hope that he performs well. Jason, and that's I, it. I'm I'm actually heartwarmed by that response because, I mean, to say that my kids were around a lot of competitiveness as young people is an understatement. And I am a fairly competitive person. As a matter of fact, we could easily like shift this conversation to how I love that the podcast is popular and <laughs> how hard <laughs> how hard I work at keeping it that way. I've always like since I was little, like since my kids were little. Excuse me. I would pull Cole aside before a game when he was little, little, and I'd get down on his level and I'd give him a hug and I'd say, I love you. Just do your best. Doesn't matter if you guys win or lose, you know, like I've always given him that perspective as a young person growing up. And then that kind of just morphed into, I love you. Have a good game. Like that kind of stuff. But he knew going in there, baseball is to get better at baseball. It's like, like, it's not about winning today. I got, I always, the thing I always think is um, who, who won the world series two years ago? Who won the Super Bowl five years ago? You don't know. Right. You know, you, you have no idea because it, it's as corny as it sounds like it's the journey, not the destination kind of stuff. And, and I'm, it's a little kid. Like, what are you going to do? Send them out there thinking the weight of the world rides on whether or not they do something that's fairly impossible. You know, and so yeah. um, the only time when he was recruiting for college, the first big recruiting thing he went to, we were driving to it and we had this like kind of long conversation, which I'm sure he hated. But, you know, screw him. I, I made him. I'm in charge. <laughs> and I said, um, your whole life, I've been telling you, like, it's just to get better for later. But this is later. I'm like, this is it. Like, you got to go perform now. Like, go do nice. your, go go do your thing right now. Leave it all out there. Whatever coaching, fathery euphemism that you can have. Like, this is it. Like, you don't impress these people. It's done. It's over. So go give them everything you have. 
you know? Oh, and, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think what it did was it just kept a couple things. It kept his sensibility about what he was doing in check. And at the same, like, you know what I mean? Like he, he didn't walk around thinking I'm doing this very important thing. He didn't have this sense of like baseball's more than it really is. It's something he loved to do that he was good at and he wanted to keep doing it. So, I mean, that's the perspective I tried to give him. If I tell that story nine out of 10 times to other people, fathers, mothers, actually ladies, sometimes the mothers more than the fathers. No one under, like mostly no one understands. It's just, well, like, you know, I'm not above plagiarism and I may be stealing what you said there and using that in the future because I love it. That's awesome. And it helped him in college too. Cause even when he got to college and then they're like, Oh, you know, freshmen aren't going to play that much. And then you don't even realize that there'll still be politics in college. I mean, I don't know in hindsight why the hell I didn't realize that, but um, it was worse. It was the worst I'd ever experienced. And little league was terrible and high school was a mess and everybody just <laughs> fighting for their kids and arguing and jockeying for positions. I watched a woman one time. I've never told this story here. I think my kids, the kids were 11 and they were now in um, getting ready. So they were basically setting the team to try to get to the little league world series the following year. And um, my son had always played the outfield and just was very adept at it and came naturally to him. A strong arm, that kind of stuff could really track a ball. But the second baseman on the team was terrible. And so the coach came to me one day before an all-star practice and said, we're going to move Cole to second and, and see how that goes. And I'm like, okay. And I think they were just trying to bring the athletic people into onto the field, into the infield a little more. And, right. um, and he did very well. And uh, that was it. After the game, it was announced Cole's going to be playing second base, blah, blah, blah. And I'm walking off the field with him, telling him how proud I am of him, asking him what he thinks about the shift and you know, positions. And then we hear it from, I am not lying to you, 80 yards away, under a tree, a woman screaming her head off at the coach. In his wow. face, pointing in his chest, screaming at him. And we showed up the next day for practice, and my son was not playing second base anymore. Wow. <laughs> I watched the year before a group of parents call a meeting and fire the coach. As I stood in the corner going, what in the fuck is happening? Exactly. <laughs> what is wrong with all of you? How many mental illnesses are in this room? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a lovely man who had been coaching those kids since he was six, since they were six. And they're like, you're out. <laughs> I was like, out? Out of what? <laughs> like, he comes to every practice. What are we arguing about? <laughs> like, it was, it, my, my wife will tell you to this day, my wife works in a corporate situation. She said it was the most vicious collection of people in a meeting she's ever seen in her life. <laughs> She's in the corporate world. That's awesome. I swear to you, my wife works in pharma, and she's like, this is the most vicious thing I've ever seen in my entire life. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. work in pharma myself. Do you really? So we, yeah, yeah. My That's hilarious. My wife does drug safety. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm in, uh, I'm in immunizations, so I'll do, or not all of them, but many of the uh, routine uh, pediatric immunizations I represent. Oh, that's really cool. How did you end up in that space? Totally fell into it. <laughs> <laughs> Just... 
<laughs> I was uh, working at uh, Xerox of all places shortly after uh, college. And uh, I had a, a person that I still have never met to this day reach out to me, uh, headhunter, and asked if I might want to interview with a pharmaceutical company. And it's the best decision I ever made. I haven't looked back. Uh, my wife wanted to be a doctor and couldn't afford to apply to medical school. So she used her biology degree to to get a Kelly services job. It was actually a temp. It was a temp job. Okay. So Kelly does regular services. They also do scientific services. I don't know if they do anymore. This is a very, I'm very old. This is a very long time ago. I think we're the same age or very close. Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> then you're old too. And um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 50 in July. Yeah. Uh, I'm counting it now. I'm going to be 52 in July. So I've got you a little bit. Okay. But, but anyway, she, you know, took that job and, uh, was good at it and enjoyed it. Um, it, it's odd. Like I would almost describe what she does now as a job. They would give an attorney. It's a lot of reading laws and making sure people are compliant, doing what they're supposed to do. Um, so all the, all the stuff that's made for the patients, like that stuff that, um, my wife oversees that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. um, but anyway, it's uh, not the point. Anyway, uh, that lady <laughs> screaming on that field was the maybe first in a long line of crazy people who somehow thought that no matter what age this was, their kid. I mean, it's the old joke, right? They all thought their kids were going to go play for the Yankees. Right. And, you know, and um, I mean, I mean, good for them for believing in their children and everything and whatnot. But I mean, I was watching them play and I was like, oh, your kid doesn't run the straight line. I don't think this is going to work out. You know, I don't have you ever seen anyone run before. doesn't look like that, you know, uh, <laughs> but, but I'm glad the kid loves baseball and all, you know, and of that team, my son was a runt on that team. Really at that. He was smaller. Three kids that played on that baseball team eventually played in college. One of them never got into a game. The other one gave up a Jack on ESPN that went so far. He was not in the school six days later. <laughs> <laughs> never saw a ball go so far so fast or a head drop down so heavy oh. and then literally not in school the next week like they must have pulled him aside and been like uh we made a mistake <laughs> oh, man. and then my son played for four years and oh, and my great. my point isn't about him my point is that if you would have went back to those 12 year old kids and said you know here i'm going to give you fifty thousand dollars Go ahead and bet on four of them that will make it to college. You, right. wouldn't, you wouldn't have picked my kid ever once. So my point is, is that acting like you know what's going to happen is a fairly large mistake. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, unless no your doubt. kid's a monster, Jason, and then right on. You know what I mean? You, you won the <laughs> genetic lottery. Because I'll tell you what, big and a little like can swing a bat, someone's going to give you a shot. So Right. Yeah. How about That's your son? Funny. Is he huge? Is he little? Is he where's he playing on the field? He plays. Uh, gosh, they've had him all over the place. Uh, he normally would play either third base or in the outfield because mm -hmm. uh, he can throw pretty well and uh, could get the ball from the outfield to first base and all that. Junior high, uh, he was in seventh grade this year, and I mean they had him. I think he almost played every position at one point. Uh, he didn't catch, but he played second base. He played short. He played. Left field, center field, right field, first base. I mean, we, my wife and I were cracking up because uh, we never knew. If he wasn't pitching, uh, it was flip a coin on where they're going to put him this particular game. Mm. So uh, I think he he prefers third base um, or the outfield. Yeah. 
uh, or he really prefers pitching. But of course, can't pitch every game. So. Yeah, I know. And by the way, don't just right. Yeah, you're going to come <laughs> along a guy at some point. There's going to be a coach who you have to be. There's two things I know for sure about children's sports. Okay, eventually you will play for a person who does not care about the health of your child, and it is up to you to have the balls to stand up to that. And and um, the second thing I guess I know for sure is um what the hell was i gonna say oh uh my god it's the thing that i say constantly about baseball and now it just fell right out of my head i talked myself right out of my thought jason this is embarrassing <laughs> that's 52 I, oh my god you know what they say uh you know <laughs> he's got I, I don't have this problem at 49 so <laughs> i do it all the time yeah don't worry it'll <laughs> pop up in my head like 10 minutes from now i'll be like that other thing about baseball that's right. <laughs> That's insane. Oh, um, I'm sorry. You have to know yourself. If you look around a travel team and you can't tell who the check is, you're the check. <laughs> so some kids are there to play and some kids are there so the coaches can make money. You right. got to know if you're the check. That's uh, very, very That's important. A good point. Yeah. 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 That's, That's a good point. Doesn't mean you can't play, by the way. Just on that team, if you're the check, you're not going to play. Right. So, anyway. But that's a sad statement. <laughs> <laughs> and a million, a million percent but, true. But it's truth, yeah. Oh, it's 100% true. Yeah. If you don't know who the check is, it's you. There you go. Anyway. Okay. So, how do you think Noah's dealing with all this? I think he has been a champ. Um, from the get-go. I mean, I've just been amazed at how he has stepped up and just kind of taken things in stride. Mm -hmm. um, I think the email I sent you uh, a while back, uh, just thanking you, um, I mentioned that, you know, uh, my wife and I, we went through mourning. Uh, we, we went through all the stages of grief because it was just such a shock and such a change. Noah, he just kind of took the ball and ran. Uh, I'm not saying it was perfect, you know, every single day. And he didn't have a, a few moments here and there of, you know, some tears and not wanting to be a, a type one diabetic. For the most part, he took it much better than we did initially. And uh, I've just been amazed at how he's doing and how he's learning more and more. I'm, I'm kind of walking the line right now on trying to let him be a kid as much as possible, but also realizing, you know, now he's a teenager and he's got to start, you know, taking a little bit of ownership uh, as the next few years go by and, you know, learn to make adjustments uh, on his own. So I've been kind of uh, relinquishing a little bit of control to him. And so far he's, he's doing a pretty good job with it. Good for him. That's excellent. How are you doing with letting go of it as you're doing this? So far, Pretty good. Uh, of course, that's me evaluating myself. <laughs> Jason, are you it the might, are you the check and you don't know it? <laughs> yeah, it might, might be. <laughs> so, no, I think so far pretty good. He has some days that are better than others, and that's just you know the way it's going to be. But yeah, it's it's almost a little bit of a weight off my shoulders with all the days that. He does. I mean, here lately, he's actually started proactively texting me when he gets an alarm and he's going high or he sees that he's going low. 
just saying, got it, or I've dosed. And that definitely uh, makes me feel great uh, seeing that. I will uh, tell the truth and say that Arden leaving for college has been good for me. And I've been good for you. Yeah. I, and I don't mean, I don't mean because I don't know. I, maybe I don't know exactly how it's been good so far, but I, I mean, it's on her now. Like when she's gone, it's on her. And so there are times that whether I'm cognizant of it or not, I'm not thinking about her diabetes at all. Right. And it is, it's forced you to yes. let go a little bit. Yeah. Is yeah. 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 I, okay. I, and I don't even know if it's letting go. It's, it's, it was taken from me. Like, there's nothing, I can, there's nothing I can do <laughs> right. about it. You know, I mean, she was leaving and I was like, I can't live here on the floor in the hallway. So I guess I got to go. And, um, <laughs> and not that I wanted to, but I mean, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's different now, but I can tell you this every time I see her while she's gone or every time she comes home, her first and only desire and wish is, Hey, could you just take care of my blood sugar tonight? It's the first thing she says, like, I just want to sleep overnight. Wow. So okay. it, it, it reminds me a little bit of this. I was listening to something, by the way, don't take this as details. I, I, although, is anyone going to take anything after details after I couldn't remember the check analogy five minutes ago? But <laughs> people are going to be like, why am I listening to this? He's been saying a thing his whole life and he doesn't know what it is. I saw this uh, uh, conversation. People were talking about that having a child with needs, um, a chronically ill child, can like metabolically age you up like 10 years or something like that as a parent. And so there's part of you that's that, that's tempted to say, well, you know, she's off to college now, so hopefully that'll be good for me. But then I don't know how the next thought in your head isn't, but now this all just shifted onto her. Like, so if it's 10 years for the parent of what's the impact on the person, right? You know, and then you get into that space in your head where you're like, okay, well, I'll trade the last 10 years of my life. So she doesn't have to do this sooner. Like, and that's how it feels to me. I mean, I didn't think life was going to be fair, Jason, but I I didn't think that I would have to make a cognizant decision to give away the end of my life either for something. (laughs) At least I don't smoke. So I guess maybe that'll (laughs) maybe help me a little bit on the other side. But it's in my head because I brought it up this weekend at the thing that um, a lot of good research says that children with diabetes uh, benefit significantly from parental assistance into their mid-20s. So, right. you know, anyway, so you're handing off a thing that you're not really giving away, but yet he has to feel like it's his without being overwhelmed and without, you know, quietly ignoring it and not telling you it's just, there's, there's a lot of balls up in there on this one, I guess. There are. Yeah. It is a juggling act yeah. to say the least. One thing um, that I've been struggling with a little bit as far as dosing him, I wanted to get your input on while Arden was in school and at home, is pretty consistently after lunch, uh, he's experiencing highs. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, we pre-bolus, uh, you know, 15 minutes before he eats, and then he'll eat, and inevitably he starts going up to 150, 180, I mean, even into the 200s uh, many times. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to figure out what we should start adding more insulin 
um, to help bring him down okay. and to further complicate the issue. He has PE after lunch. Some days it is two hours after lunch. Some days it is one hour after lunch. It's staggered. I want, I once told a principal, I said, you know, you and I aren't married. Why are you torturing me? <laughs> exactly. I was like, there's already a lady handling that. You don't need to do it too. Why does she eat and go right outside to recess? Can she not go to recess before? Or how about an hour later? Or how about this? Why is why is lunch right before gym? What are you doing to me? <laughs> Luckily, the lunchtime is consistent each day of the week. That's but, nice. Yes, oh, PE is staggered. How about uh, for years, Arden had two different lunches every week. There was one that was an hour sooner than the other. Oh, good gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kelly's got this covered. You don't need to try to kill me, too. <laughs> don't worry. There are plenty of good women on it. You don't. You're, you, you're, like, what are you doing to me? Uh, so, okay. So he's going into, is he eating the food at school or is he bringing food? Uh, bringing food except one day a week. Okay. Um, they provide food. So typically so, it's fast food, Chick-fil-A or Whataburger or something you know, super healthy like that. Wait, he brings that or they provide that? They provide that. Really? At a school. So, yeah, well, I say they provide that. We purchase that. <laughs> Let me clarify. Yes, we purchase uh, one meal a week uh, for him, and then he takes his own lunch. And he's really consistent with the, the lunches he takes each day. Typically, it's a turkey sandwich well, um, and a couple of sides. Jason, your Texas freedom stance aside, I was eating tater tots that tasted like cotton balls and pizza that tasted like cardboard when I was in high school. So, Oh, I remember the pizza very well. And the sad thing is, Scott, we got excited about pizza. Oh, my God. It's the best Friday. day of my life. <laughs> like, the rectangular, huge sheet pan of pizza. You would have thought, yeah, you would have thought it was Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slightly, I, I always thought of it as ketchup with oregano on cardboard with cheese that didn't melt. How do you make cheese that doesn't melt when it's brought to high temperatures? I'll tell you how. It's styrofoam. That's how. Um, it's it's why I can't lose weight in my 50s, I'm pretty sure. Met, my metabolic I'm age. right there with you. So he, I'm sorry, let's start over. He is pre-bolusing for the lunch? Yes. Yeah, he's pre-bolusing. And maybe we need to pre-bolus a little earlier. How long, how long has it been? It's... Typically about 15 minutes before he eats. So he'll pre bolus at 1130 and then he starts lunch at 1145. Is he rising and staying high and needs more insulin to come down or is he spiking and dropping on his own? No, typically he is rising and staying high. Uh, but on the days where he has PE sooner, a lot of times that will break him down uh, with either no additional insulin or minimal added insulin. Hmm. Uh, the days where P is uh, longer after lunch, uh, typically he has to do a, a pretty significant correction. So, and then many times we correct a little too much. He goes to PE and then all of a sudden he's fighting a low. Yeah. So it's, it's been interesting. I, I always have him have Skittles in his uh, pocket for PE just so he's prepared, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. I'm sure. He's thrilled with that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but I, I take your point. I mean, in my mind, maybe you have to treat it like two different scenarios. Maybe the day when there's no PE, you the simple thing to do would be to first try five more minutes of of a pre bolus if there's no sign of him getting low right now with the 15 minutes. The other thought is to take the correction that you're using after the meal 
and move like two thirds of it into the bolus. Does that make sense? Okay. So you're pre-bolusing the food and in some odd way, pre-bolusing the spike, if that makes sense. So on that scenario, I assume you're meeting other days where PE is significantly later yes. after lunch. Yes. When we're not, when we're not then diving right into physical education after that and physical education where they let them throw balls at each other in the gym or whatever. By the way, right. whoever outlawed dodgeball, you ruined a country. I'll just say that. Um, <laughs> uh, by the way, there is a sequel coming to that movie. I just read that the other day. Is there really? <laughs> there is. Yes. Is it, was it duck, dodge, dip, dodge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was it the five D's? <laughs> isn't, um, isn't, uh, Rip Torn's dead, right? Yeah, 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 he he's passed, but uh, apparently the rest of the original cast are coming back. Wow. So yeah, that that's one of those movies. Um, if it's on and we're channel surfing and we come across that one, it's just immediate that we're watching it, no matter how many times we've seen it. It's so funny to us. You know how many people tell me I sound like Vince Vaughn? <laughs> I mean, I can hear that a little bit. I think it's my cadence, not my voice. I think that's what they hear. Um, and I always say that, but they're like, no, you sound like Vince Vaughn. I was in a subway one time. I'm sorry. We'll get back to your balls. Uh, I was in a subway one time and I heard a little kid, like a four-year-old kid say that man sounds like Santa Claus because Vince Vaughn was in a movie where he played Santa Claus one time. That kid was really confused when I walked out of that subway. (laughs) What happened to Santa? (laughs) He looks shorter. (laughs) Then I explained to that four-year-old, they just hire all short actors, so everybody looks tall. It's not me. (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever see how tall the women are who act with Tom Cruise? Yeah, right. (laughs) So so that's my thought for the the non-PE days. Either... Start with just trying a slightly longer pre-bolus. As long as, like I said, you don't feel like he's in, you know, uh, trouble, like he's going to go low. Or you move some of the correction into the bolus. So you're being more aggressive with the food because there's something happening. And you right. can kind of take the stance of, I don't care what it is. It's going to need more insulin later anyway. Why don't I just give it the insulin now? If that rise you're seeing is not in the first 45 minutes of eating, then maybe an extended bolus over even just an hour might be the way to go with that extra. So just kind of layering on top an extra blanket of insulin to keep that rise from happening, but not so much that he'll get low afterwards. See, that's one thing. We're on uh, Omnipod 5 now. And oh, okay. I've pretty much kept it in, and I, I know, you know, I could go into manual mode, but I've kept it in automated mode, I believe, since we've had it. Um, so I have not done an extended bolus since we left, uh, the Omnipod dash. So then in that scenario, I would either put it up front, which, and and then let the algorithm manage it backwards or make a secondary bolus prior to the spike. Okay. And that Uh, you would do with carbs. So do you think this is a fat rise or do you just think it's the, it's not, we're not covered by the right amount of insulin? I think it's both. Um, on the day that he has the um, purchase lunch, uh, which is always fast food, there's definitely a fat rise. Yeah. Um, and we have actually been more aggressive on our uh, pre-bolus. Um, I've had him add like an extra unit or two on top of the carbs that mm-hmm. he's you know counting up. And um, then on the days where he actually packs a lunch, um, I think it's 
I really think we might start pre-bolusing more like 20 minutes before, or even 25 minutes. Uh, I've noticed that he will, typically his insulin will kick in about an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half after. Uh, that's when I will see it actually start impacting the food. Mm. Um, so I guess what I'm struggling with is if you pre-bolus and say it's five units uh, that you dose for lunch and 45 minutes later, you're already over 200. It's still going up, but you have two, uh, two and a half, three units of IOB left on. I guess I'm struggling with when do we go ahead and start adding more and more insulin? I mean, if uh, it's not going to come back down on its own or without the algorithm pushing it, then my answer is before. Okay. Like, I don't think the insulin on board, um, nothing you hear on the juice box podcast should be considered advice <laughs> medical or otherwise. And I don't think the okay. insulin, I don't, I don't think the insulin on board matters if this bolus that you've made is never going to bring down this high blood sugar. To me, that's a simple like glycemic load or fat impact where you're, you maybe you're counting the carbs, but it's the food needs, you know, not every food is created equal. So maybe yeah. the, fo- the food needs more than its carb count indicates is what I would I say. I guess another way of saying it would be if we had bolused correctly, he wouldn't have gone this high in the first place, either correctly with the right amount or pre-bolused longer or a combination of those two things. You just, uh, he, just spoke. If we do it the right way, it shouldn't go that high, period. Yes. Is that correct or? Okay. Listen, you just agreed with what I was going to say, so I don't know if it's correct, but I agree with you. <laughs> no, that's exactly. I might need my own disclaimer. Yeah. I don't know. It feels it, what it felt like is you've listened to the podcast when you just said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been listening. <laughs> that is exactly how I would think about it. Yes. Okay. I yeah. just I need to get a little more aggressive with it. Um, yeah, and I'll tell you about the PE thing. I mean, tell me how high the spike is again. It varies. Just yesterday, he went over 200, which I do not like that at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's so funny. When we were MDI, Scott, it was 300 was the point where I started getting very antsy and not happy. And as soon as we got the Dexcom and uh, a pump especially, uh, we uh, lowered that down to I don't like anything over 200. And really, I don't like anything over 160 these days. I'm really trying to tighten up his range. I'm looking at his numbers right now. Yesterday, yeah, mm-hmm. lunchtime, he went to about the eh, 208 um, and then we dosed for it and he plunged and went down to about 60 yeah um, then corrected that and the rest of the day he was actually pretty good well maybe on p days then just do a little more like try to keep the 200 to 180 and let the algorithm manage it down if that's happening in a quick enough time for you i mean the goal in my mind is that we don't want skittles in his pocket right seriously like we don't want him to have to eat to stop a low and we don't want his pe to get interrupted so do i want his blood sugar to be i mean listen this weekend someone said to me what do you consider a high blood sugar and i said (laughs) i said i consider 160 a spike after a meal i consider 180 high and a voice goes what do you consider 200 i said an unmitigated disaster <laughs> so um and like i'm not judging your blood sugars is what i went on to say to them i just said that this is the scoring system i use in my head to keep things where they are right they're my action points really more than anything like i don't even care about the numbers they're action points 160 you know all right not a great bolus but it comes back and doesn't get low good job uh 180 you're high 
I mean, that's just not going to magically come down on its own. 200, um, you know, we, we could end up here for three hours if we don't act correctly. And so yeah. those are the reasons why I acted those numbers. In my mind, I mean, if he was my kid, I wouldn't want him to have to eat or drink during. I'd want him to just be able to go play. And so right. if you can walk a line between taking a rise and then not getting low afterwards into PE, I think that's terrific. Um, but okay. in any situation where you're bolusing again, that insulin belongs in the initial bolus. And maybe not all of it, keep in mind, because the amount that you may need to stop the 200 is likely less because delivered timely than the amount you would need to drop the 200. So those numbers aren't the same. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I, uh, I changed our range. I know. I think the standard range is what seventy to one eighty, and uh, I reduced ours to seventy to one sixty uh, based off of uh, listening to you and Jenny uh, talking about if you change your expectations, uh, a lot of times you'll see different results. Yeah. And sure enough, man, it's it's been fantastic. I'm I'm looking right now uh, for the last ninety days. We've been. I don't know if this is actually right. It sounds too good. We've been ninety eight percent in range. That's terrific. Uh, it, between 70 and 160? Yeah, between 70 and 160. What's, like, that, what's that put your standard deviation at? Let me double check this. That does not sound right. <laughs> I mean, it's been pretty good. Jason's but, like, I don't want to take credit for something that's not happening. That's right. I want to make sure I'm being truthful I might, here. I might have clicked on the wrong button. <laughs> oh, by the way, speaking about being truthful while you're listening, I interviewed a lady last week who said something and when she got done, I thanked her. I was like, you just made the best episode of this podcast I've, I, I, I can think of. Although the lady <laughs> who said her butt exploded, was she was pretty giving with the truth. But um, <laughs> if you haven't heard that one, it's called Butthole Adjacent, and you really should hear it. But <laughs> Yeah, so there's no way that that's right. Why do you feel like that can't be right? Because you've seen high blood sugars in that time frame? Yes. So this, I mean, right now I'm looking, it says from February 2nd to May 2nd, uh, 98% in range. And, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no wonder. <laughs> Reading is fundamental, Scott. Uh, 72 uh, times in range over that 90-day uh, period. Okay. The best day was a 98% day. day. That was makes 90%. a lot more sense. But still, you're, you're about 72% in range over a month? Is that right? Let's see here. 70. Okay. I finally have the correct information. My apologies. Okay. Um, so over 90 days, 78% range, uh, 4%, well, 3% low, 1% very low, and then 16% high, 2% very high. And again, this is with a target range of 70 to 160. Yeah. And standard deviation over 90 days is 41. Over 30 days, 43. So we're hanging out around 40. Yeah. Right. On uh, standard deviation, basically. I'm not going to insult your standard deviation, but that's the number you should be working on. That'll help the other numbers. Okay. Yeah. Lower, better standard deviation. Right. What was I going to say there? I mean, listen, I sent Arden off to college. And, you know, I mean, if you've listened to the podcast long enough, like you'll hear, like, you know, sometimes I go to speak at something and they say, what do you want to call this talk? And I'm like, call bulb with insulin. And they go, you call everyone of your talks bold with insulin. I'm like, I don't want to come up with a name for the talk. Just call it that. <laughs> and then they're like, well, it needs to say something underneath. And I said, well, we want to get people in the room so we can get the information to them. 
Scott's daughter's A1C has been between 5'2 and 6'2 for over eight years with no diet restrictions. That'll get people in the room. And um, because what we're, and it's true. And, you know, it's at the crux of what I talk about. So I'm in that room today and somebody says, you know, is that really true? And I said, oh, it's absolutely true. I said, but she's gone now for her longest stint at college. Like Arden is currently away for the longest she's ever been away from home. It'll be four months in a couple of days and she's not going to be home for another month. So Arden's going to be gone for five months straight because of the way their system's set up. It's quarterly. So she basically did two quarters without coming home. Okay. Her A1C is up. It's probably going to be six, four, six, five. And I don't care because the food they're serving her, first of all, is, I mean, it looks good when you, when you walk in the cafeteria and they're selling you the school, you're like, this is lovely and nice. And she's like, it's all garbage dad. She's like, it's processed. It's fried. It's the same crap over and over again. And she's like, I am telling you, it is incredibly difficult to bolus for. Like I'm seeing her eat three meals a day in this cafeteria. She's making three, what I would call large boluses a day, like boluses that I would think of as more for like, you know, five guys, Whataburger, that kind of stuff. Right. And instead, this is her regular meal. And she's like, I'm not overeating. She's like, this is just the amount of food I insulin I need to get through this food. So in a regular day when Arden eats in the cafeteria three times, she has, in general, uh, a bolus from 10 to 17 units of insulin like at every meal. And if she happens to get like hungry at the end of the night or something like that, she can't even get a snack without having to bolus eight or nine units. Like it's just, it's terrible. So to me, she's not making herself low. She kept her A1C on the high end of what the range we shoot for. And she's managing it on her own. I think that's brilliant. And she'll come home and, you know, we've uh, taken steps already. I will say that um, for people sending your kids off to college, one of the things, eventually Arden and I will talk on the podcast about how school went. Um, But we did set up some accommodations for her in the beginning. A very simple understanding for the school for what she has. And so when it was time to look for housing for next year, Arden's like, some of these dorms have kitchens in them, a refrigerator and a stove. And I want that because I can't keep eating like this. And I'm like, okay. She's like, it's just, it makes the diabetes just way harder than it needs to be. And I'm like, right. So she's like, so we, I guess, petitioned the school to get her into one of those arrangements. And they were like, yeah, absolutely. No problem. And Arden said, but I want my roommates to stay with me. We have met these three girls and they understand my diabetes and, you know, we get along and, you know, if I get low, somebody helps me and like, you know, like that kind of stuff. I don't want to lose them. So it took a little right. doing, but we got the school to designate those three kids as medically necessary. Good for y'all. Yeah. And moved all four of them into one of these like larger um, apartment type things where Arden's like, I am going to start cooking for myself because I don't even, I don't want to be doing this the way I'm doing it right now. So I'm expecting Arden's A1C to drop by a half a point next time she goes back to college. Yeah. So, Two things on that. First of all, thank you for sharing that her A1C might be a little bit higher, and you're okay with that. Uh, Noah's has, when we started listening to the podcast, I think he was 8-1. Within three months, he went down to 7-3. Uh, then he went to 6-4. And then his last visit, which was about four to five months ago, was 6-6. Six, six. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right in the mid-sixes. That's terrific, by the way. 
Good for you. Oh, I thank mean, you. Yeah, it's thank fantastic. You. But again, I'm a little competitive, so I'm trying <laughs> trying to get it down lower. Uh, he actually has an appointment tomorrow. Uh, be the first time in five months that his endocrinologist was out on maternity leave. So it'll be interesting. I'm fully expecting mid sixes again. I'm hopeful maybe it'll be six three, six four, but I don't I don't know if it's super realistic with his diet. He is a typical thirteen year old Texas boy. He likes his carbs and he likes his carbs. And yeah, it, I don't know if it's feasible for me to think we could get him under six. I'm going to keep trying, but part of me is also thinking maybe I need to be content with. You know, the fact that he's a 13-year-old boy with not the, the best diet in the world, and he's in the mid-sixes uh, as a type 1 diabetic. I try really hard to think about some of the late 20s people that I've interviewed over the years who had type 1 as a child, and how many of them I hear tell the story about, I went off to college, I told everybody I knew what I was doing, I didn't, my A1C went way up, I panicked, I stopped paying attention to it. It took, I, you know, I don't even know how I lived through college. Like, you know how many stories like that I've heard? Luckily, I met somebody after school. I thought about dating. I wanted to be healthier. Like, that. those stories, right? I don't think there's a value in him living a life that you can manage that he can't manage. And that's kind of how I come to think about it. Now, I mean, I'm telling you, if you could see the food that they give you at school, like for people who haven't been there in a long time, it's it really is garbage at most colleges. <laughs> and don't worry, because at, a, at most private institutions, your um, housing and food bill is lumped together. And I think right now the national average is around $14,000. So that's fun. And um, you, <laughs> you're paying you're paying fourteen grand for them to eat garbage. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt their blood sugar. If you bring it up to the school, you know what they say? We know. Great. Thanks. It's hard to cook for a lot of kids, is it? It's great. It's hard to make a podcast, too. And I just, I do it. Like, like could you just do the thing you said you were going to do? No? Okay. Um, but but I think the point is, is that Arden has not lost track of the goal. She does not, not understand that this isn't what she wants, but she's not beating herself up about it, and she's not giving up on it. And to me, I think that's a good balance because she will come home. She will eat better food here and she will continue to put the effort in. And I've already told her, I'm like, Arden, you're going to come home. Your A1C is going to come down a half a point. Like just changing food is going to do that. And then we're going to, you know, my biggest concern is her fitting cooking into her life. So we're going to spend some time uh, teaching her how to like prep meals and stuff like that. My son, I'll tell you what, Jason, of all the things I didn't expect... (laughs) My son left home for a job like four or five months ago now, four months ago. Right. He was definitely a kid who would, I mean, he's 22 when he got out of college, like, you know, and he'd come downstairs and he'd be like, uh, can I get some eggs? <laughs> and I'd be like, you know how to make eggs, right? He goes, yeah. He's like, but you're better at it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> what's for dinner? I'm like, what's for dinner? Yeah. I don't even know if I saw my mom when I was 22. I'm like, okay. You know, like. <laughs> And so when we sent him off, I said to my wife, I was like, you think he'll starve or <laughs> you think you'll you think he's going to put on a hundred pounds like Uber eating like everything. But what ended up happening was I've never been prouder of my parenting, Jason, is that, you know, what won over he's cheap. 
<laughs> and um, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he get, gets his own apartment, gets his job. Trust me, he's not thrilled. He moved across the country. He's by himself. It's not easy. He's learning. It's the first because of baseball. It's the first job he's ever had in his whole life. Like no lie. Like he went from like I play baseball to what time do I have to be there? Like right. they, you know, <laughs> we're gonna be here all day. The whole day, <laughs> you know, I just do this the noon and we'll break off and come back tomorrow. Like he went to like right into the world and, um, he's there for a week and, uh, I get a FaceTime and it, 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 the phone is obviously propped up on the counter in his little apartment. And he goes, um, I need some help. How do I make this? And I'm like, what? He goes, I'm making food. I bought these containers. I'm going to eat the same thing for lunch every day. And I'm going to make some stuff for dinner and have it aside. I am not spending money like this on food. <laughs> I was like, wow, when it was my money, nobody cared, Jason, but okay. <laughs> it's funny how that works, right? <laughs> I mean, in three days, he figured it out. <laughs> He's like, yo, 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 how do you make this? Next thing I know, I swear to you, one day, he calls me and he, go, he asks me a question about something he was cooking. We, st- we we got cooking shows when he first moved away, which was kind of nice. We just we would sit and watch him make food. He's making these little chicken chunks, wrapping bacon around them, like putting this like I don't know what there was some sort of like fresh herb that was going in, and he was baking them. So a couple of days later, I said, "Hey, how are those chicken things?" He goes, "Oh, they're really good." I said, "You making them again?" He goes, "No, they're too much work." <laughs> <laughs> Where are the ramen noodles? <laughs> He's like, "I'm still going to make chicken, but I'm not going to all that trouble wrapping the bacon around and everything like that." <laughs> That's right. That's way like, too much effort. <laughs> anyway, got his head right right away. Uh, and but but what it taught me was is that this gap of time when Arden is home, we need to do this with her now because he's a kid with a job and nobody around him that he knows. He's watching sports and going to work, and you know right. you know so he's got time. My daughter is not going to have time to teach herself how to like proportion her foods and cook and stuff like that. So I think we have to do it now before we send her back. Um, no, so that's that, on my, sounds like a good idea for yeah, sure. That's on my to-do list, um, for while she's home. Um, you know, I was at that thing this weekend. Somebody said, where's your high alarm set out? I took some crap from people, Jason. I'm not going to lie to you. Orthodox people are very direct. <laughs> like my, <laughs> my wife's like, my wife's like, how was it? I said, if you take like, they're lovely people and they like, they're just, there's no pretense. It's all just very honest and like, right. You know, open. And I said, if you, if, if you went there with the idea of being like getting butt hurt about something, you'd be in trouble real quick. <laughs> like, so <laughs> tell it like it is. I like it. Yeah. They were, it was hundred percent like that. And so, um, where's your high alarm set on your, the follow for your daughter. And I said, uh, well, her alarm is set at one thirty. <gasps> the whole room, the whole room, one thirty. And I said, but mine's set at one twenty. <laughs> I, I mean, after the just shock left the room. Why is yours different than hers? And I said, well, I like my alarm to go off before hers so that I can kind of look and see what's going on. Because if it's like a real like like situation, like she's flying up, I don't even want to wait till 1.30 to do something about that. I want to start thinking about it now. But if it's a simple thing, then, you know, she never even gets the alarm. Like I see 120 that curves down at like 126, comes back in. She's never alarmed by that. And that's get what you expect. That's setting right. your expectations, using your insulin correctly. Then I tried to explain it to them. You know, timing it. Like at the end of the thing, they asked this, you know, interesting question. If you could just leave us with a bumper sticker. 
you know, what would it say? And I said, oh, that's easy. It's timing and amount. That's it. Everything about diabetes is the right amount of insulin at the right time. And I mean, there are other things. If you let me give you a second bumper sticker, I'd say something else. And a third one might talk about glycemic index and stuff. But mine might be a bump and nudge because that's one of the most valuable things I learned quickly uh, from the podcast was bumping and nudging. Okay. I'm glad you said that. But you got to take what you learn from the bumping and nudging and put it into the bolusing. Okay. See what I'm saying? Like the goal's not to bump and nudge. So if you know the need is there, get it in so you don't need to do it manually afterwards. But I agree okay. with you. I think bumping and nudging is an essential way about learning about diabetes and at the same time not letting your blood sugars be crazy. Like a million percent. Yeah. But yeah, but if you're bumping and nudging all the time, listen to the bumping and nudging two pro tip where I say, hey, uh, when I mentioned to you guys about bumping and nudging, I didn't mean do it forever. <laughs> Did I not say that in the first one? I'm sorry. <laughs> I need to re-listen to that episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's hilarious. Cool. So do you ever think about your daughter? Have you thought about trial net or does she talk about it? We haven't even broached the subject yet, but it'll be something we talk about. I'm sure at some point and see if she's interested in finding out or not. Again, without a, a family history on either side, his diagnosis was such a shock, uh, but it doesn't mean it's not possible. You yeah. know? But no, we, we haven't spoken about it yet. I'll, when Cole got Hashimoto's, like it almost knocked me off my feet. Like he is, uh, you know, his whole young life, like a, a physical specimen and just, you know, so active and what you think of as healthy when you look at somebody. And like, you know, we sent him for trial net all those years ago and he didn't have any um, markers for type one. And I just thought, oh, okay, well, that, that's that. He got the, he, he's going to be the one that's okay and she'll be the one that has this. And, um, yeah, when he got that, like it, it floored me. So I don't know. I know it's up to her. She's older. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I think I'm in the camp of, I want to know, but like, if it's possible that that, I don't know, that's what, I mean, listen, I've heard, I had provention bio on here, right. To talk about TZ old, which they called Tamizaplob when it was in studies, TZ old and market that drug, that infusion that, you know, once you have the markers and you're moving in the wrong direction, they say can, you know, keep delay diabetes, it, right? yeah, delay it for a while. Um, that company just got sold to Sanofi the other day. And I'm, I don't want to talk out of school, but I think Sanofi paid $3 billion for it. Wow. So somebody must be very hopeful about that science. That's is, very interesting. Yeah, is what it made me think. I can see if I can find it. Yeah, I mean, my initial thoughts are kind of the same as far as wanting to find out. Uh, at some point, because at least you can be proactive uh, for some things uh, if you know that it may be coming. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, ignorance is bliss in many ways. So I understand. Trust me, I understand both sides of that argument. Hundred percent. March thirteenth, Sanofi agrees to pay two point nine billion for prevention bio. Wow. Okay. It seems like a couple of dollars. Um. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and, and also not for nothing Sanofi, but it seems like you could afford on a Pedra ad. You know what I mean? Give me a call. Uh, so, um, <laughs> I mean, you guys, the, you got, speaking of, you guys use a Pedra? Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, Jason. I'm the I only one. Guys. I'm the only one with a voice in this community who says a Pedra. And uh, I don't hear from nobody. You know what I mean? And apparently there's $3 billion <laughs> sitting in a bank somewhere. I don't need $3 billion. 
<laughs> so we're on we're on human log, but I'm actually wanting to try a pager just to see if there's any difference uh, in the way uh, he responds to it. So uh, that's I actually have that listed as as a question for our next endo appointment uh, tomorrow is to see about maybe getting uh, a pager prescribed just to just to give it a try. Why not? If you ask that, your doctor is going to tell you not a, not many insurance companies cover it. That's by the way. If I'm joking aside, why Sanofi is not buying ads for it. And they'll probably talk to you about Fiasper Lumjev and tell you that it's faster. I will tell you, hmm, <laughs> I think Arden would be using Fiasp if it didn't burn her when she uses it. So she gets, hmm. it stings and it leaves her sight sore, which is, a there's an additive, I think it's vitamin B that makes it work faster. And some people don't tolerate it well, and Arden doesn't. So, um... Uh, but uh, here's what I love about Apedra for Arden, super smooth. Like I, this is not a lie. I haven't seen two arrows in either direction in years. And wow. I attribute that to the Apedra. And the truth is, I mean, I haven't seen an arrow up in like very often. Like I, we don't see straight up and down arrows very often. And I, I attribute that not just to how, you know, we use insulin and that Arden's using an algorithm, but that that the Pedra just seems to work very smoothly in her. And Is that uh, regardless of the pump she used with it? She's only ever used it with Omnipod, but she's used it with Omnipod, no algorithm, Omnipod 5, Omnipod with loop. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's actually more of what I meant by the question. Yeah, yeah. Different types. So yeah, you know, it's, it's the, just the same result. I swear to you, I a double arrow would absolutely uh, that would shock me more than Cole having Hashimoto's. <laughs> I'd be like, wait, what happened? What did we do wrong? Is there a problem? <laughs> yeah, see, I want to get to that point. I see double arrows a little too often. Yeah, so, no, I, I hear catch it and crush it. You know, mm. I, I've been working on that as well, just being a little more aggressive with it. I wouldn't be doing any of this without having that CGM. Uh, just the peace of mind, uh, being able to keep up with everything. I think uh, I think it was Jenny uh, once said that you know if she could only have one piece of technology, uh, had to give up everything else. Uh, the one piece that she would cling to for her life was the the CGM. Yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more. No, I'm with you. I mean, it's a. I mean, in today's world, it's a it's a false equivalent. But yes, if you absolutely said to me just one. I'd say, all right, we'll get the CGM and, you know, we'll go back to MDI and figure out the rest. Right. And it won't be as uh, easy. I mean, listen, between you, me, and whoever's listening, those algorithms are amazing. Like, they're just amazing. I spent so oh, much sure. time with people this weekend who were wearing a lot of Omnipod 5, a lot of Control IQ in the room, which was super interesting. And I'll, t I'll break down in another episode somewhere because they don't use a lot of technology. But when it's for their health, it's, you know kind of permissible. There are people who fundamentally do not know what they're doing with their blood sugars who are still keeping A1Cs at seven. And that's astonishing. And not only that, but, and these people would not mind me sharing this, the food that they're eating every weekend for Shabbos is, I mean, it's carb heavy is not like a great description. Like, like there, I don't know if anybody knows what Kugel is but I learned this weekend and uh, it's a lot of noodles compressed down into it's so dense. You feel like you could throw a piece of it at somebody and hurt them with it. Like it's, <laughs> and just noodles and oil and like, you know, and just, I was like, I don't know how any of you are doing this. Like, I, I was astonished at how well they were all doing. 
but it, algorithm, like the people who weren't on the algorithms were struggling more. The people who were on them, even though they could maybe mess up a meal and end up at 250, they go to bed and when they wake up in the morning, it's back down again. Is that optimal? It's not, but it's way better than waking up at 250 still. Yeah, we started Omnipod 5 last July. Um, actually <laughs> received it uh, while we were on vacation. Uh, learned that it had been shipped, and we started it uh, right after getting back uh, from Disney World. Mm-hmm. And Scott, that algorithm, has, it's not perfect. No technology is, but it has given us our nights back and our sleep back. And I mean, the only lows we fight at night uh, on a consistent basis now are Oh, goodness, what's the term for it when he's lying on his uh, CGM? A compression low. Compression. I, I could not think of the word compression. Yeah. Compression lows are the only time he truly goes low at night. And I still haven't figured out where to put that thing on him where he won't just instinctively lie flat on it and <laughs> get mm-hmm. a compression low. <laughs> but the, uh, the Omnipod 5, yeah, it's been amazing for us, particularly overnight. That's excellent. Maybe fingers crossed the G7 when it's available to use with Omnipod 5. Maybe that will help with compression loads if we're lucky. I'm very hopeful. For yeah, yeah, me I'm too. I'm stoked about the warm-up time and just the smaller size for sure. But yeah, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking maybe it won't have as many compression loads. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah. When I, I visited Arden a couple of weeks ago, uh, just there was parents weekend and um, – Kelly's like, she's starting to talk weird. And I'm like, what? She's like, she's she's like, I can't wait to come home for the summer. And I'm like, that's weird. She goes, you know, Arden's not like, like very, she's not incredibly demonstrative. And I'm like, and she's like, I'm excited to come home for summer. She's like, you should go down for parents weekend. So I, I flew down and um got a hotel room and I just yanked her out and like, just kept her with me for two nights. You know, like we, we hung out together, but the mattress was just a little harder. And she was wearing a G6 and the compression was like, we're just, like, I don't know, it was something about where she was wearing it and that mattress. Right. I was like, ugh. And then, so, last night, I mean, aside from the fact that she did it at 1 o'clock in the morning, she switched to G7 last night. So, <laughs> I mean, my God. <laughs> and you know what I did? I'll tell you, I, my emotional maturity, I'm almost my age now. <laughs> my emotional maturity. <laughs> Because I still have ways to go, but good for you. <laughs> I sent a whole, I had a whole text typed that was like, this is why I told you to change this f***ing thing sooner. <laughs> and like, I'm like, you're bitching at me now that it's late and I'm texting you. No sh-. Like that was the whole text. And then I just deleted it. And I said, hey, let's just get this taken care of so we can go to sleep. Well, let me ask this though. Was texting or typing it out, but not sending it had to be somewhat therapeutic. Right. I mean, a little bit. <laughs> it's one in the morning. I'm standing Bottom in the. Uh, I'm, I'm in the whole damn direction. Yeah. Just listen, for Christ's sake. It's so like, like, I mean, you know, you know what I stop myself from saying about a half a dozen times a year. There are countless, hundreds of thousands of people who would pay me to stand here and talk to them about this stuff. <laughs> And you're looking at me like I got three heads and I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm the guy from the podcast. <laughs> I'm That's like, right. I'm like, uh, my, best, my best advice is to do this earlier in the evening. And by the way, not brain surgery, what I've just said. You know what I mean? Yes. 
perfectly logical. But I, where the annoyance came from is it's me in my underwear standing on a hard floor in the hallway so I don't wake my wife up trying to talk to her about her, you know. And I'm just like, I'm cold and I'm tired. And I'm still rebounding from the weekend because, uh, not for nothing, Orthodox people don't use electricity. Sundown Friday, sundown Sunday, or sundown Saturday, that gap of time. And I don't know if you've ever tried to talk to a room of hundreds of people without a microphone, but um, oh, wow. it's not easy. <laughs> and so yeah. I'm like drained still when I get home. Like, I know that sounds weird, but talking a lot, accessing ideas, delivering them clearly, projecting your voice. And then I, and uh, this is not a humble brag, but at these situations, I can't walk five feet. Like I'm like inside of a diabetes gathering you know i'm i'm tom cruise around risky business <laughs> like like I, I take five steps and people are like scott i just have a question and then that's a 15 minute conversation and when right. i get done and i look up there are four people standing behind them waiting for their turn and i'm like i'm just trying to get to the water bottles on the other side of the room and then someone goes i'll get it for you I'm like ah okay i'm not getting out of this i see uh, so it's, it's really exhausting and then like you know i finally get home and now i'm in the hallway, freezing, going, we couldn't have done this four hours ago. So, anyway. <laughs> I feel your pain. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I, somebody uh, with young kids at this thing this weekend says, when does it get easier? I said, I'll let you know when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how old are your children? I said, 23 and 19. It's not easier yet? I'm like, I mean, I'm still worried about them, and they still run into things they don't understand. And, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's easier. I, don't I mean, think that will ever change. It might evolve a little bit, but yeah, it's just, that's part of parenting. One of my breaks on Saturday, I called my mom, just check in on her. And um, she's asking me how it's going. And I'm telling her, and, you know, we were on the phone to talk. And she goes, Scott, why don't you lay down instead? I'm 51. My mom's like, take a nap. <laughs> Don't bother. Did talking. you take the advice? I mean, I laid. I watched a baseball. I laid down and watched a baseball game. Is that the same thing? <laughs> Shut my eyes for a couple of minutes, but um, but I mean, it's just it's the point. Like my eighty-year-old mother was like, "Oh, we have time to talk." But then when she heard that I was like text, like you know, stretching myself, she's like, "Why don't you rest instead? You have a couple hours off here. Like take a break." By the way, thanks to the rabbi's wife who like just grabbed me by the shoulders and was like, "Go, go." take a break. <laughs> She's like, they're never going to leave you alone. Just get out of here. And I'm like, okay. I had to have somebody walk me to the elevator so it could look official so I could get away. <laughs> awesome. That actually happened. Uh, anyway, I'm available for speaking engagements. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Jason, is there anything we haven't talked about that you would have liked to? Man, I don't really think so. I mean, if there's one piece of advice I could uh, give, especially to those, I mean, we're a little over two years in to this diagnosis, um, is number one, if you found this podcast, uh, you you have found the right place. Uh, but number two is advocate for if it's yourself as the type 1 diabetic or if you're a parent of a type 1 diabetic, advocate for your child, uh, both with providers, with insurance companies, don't take just stock answers of this is how we do things. You know, I've, again, I think we were supposed to wait three months before we got a CGM and six months for a pump. 
and I just kept pushing and kept learning and researching these things and, you know, got both things in half the amount of time. Yeah. So, and I mean, I, I totally understand needing to learn the basics of multiple daily injections and how to handle it at that most basic level in case, you know, technology just all of a sudden vanishes. Uh, but six weeks was enough time for us to be very comfortable with uh, using, you know, basal and bolus and doing finger pricks and all that. Yeah. I, I lost track of the amount of people this weekend that told me their TSH was three, but their doctor told them they don't need, um, you know, Synthroid, but they have every symptom of hypothyroidism. You know, it's in range. You're good. Don't worry about it. Right. They're struggling every day trying to like hold their head up, you know? So you got to advocate for yourself. That's, I spent a lot of time telling people that this weekend and I, I appreciate you bringing it up too. And beyond that, one of the things I learned again from you guys, juice box is also making corrections. Uh, Once you get, you know, if you do evolve and go to a pump, and not to wait in between your three-month appointments with your endo to make corrections to your correction factor or uh, any of the things, uh, particularly if you have a CGM, just to be your best advocate when it comes to making small adjustments and seeing how that works. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I can't thank you guys enough for everything you do, Scott and Jenny, everybody else. Uh, it's been amazing. I, I ran into a uh, an old friend today, in fact, uh, while I was walking this morning, first thing, and uh, I was listening to one of the latest episodes uh, that came out, and I just shared with them, uh, you know, just how helpful uh, the podcast has been to us and to countless others across the world. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. I don't, it's not off-putting to you, like part of the country you're in, when I tell silly stories or say bizarre things that people no, usually don't that's, say. A, that's why I keep listening. Oh, okay. All right, good. <laughs> I think our sense of humor is very similar. Excellent. No, that's, you make it easier to digest and the use of humor and just crazy things you might say here and there. It just cracks me up. Oh, good. I'm glad. So, no, uh, I was shocked this weekend when, I mean, I got, again, I'm not bragging, but I got stopped a lot this weekend walking around and, um, you know, just very polite, like, thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate it. Um, I think part of that was because, you know, people kept telling me, like, there's going to be a massive culture shock when you get to this event. And I have to tell you that if if you, I separated the, like, the religion is, is different. It's just different than what I'm accustomed to seeing. And if you just separate that, and I mean, they're just, just, everyone's got a big beard. Like, you know, the, the clothes are different. Like, you know, they have, like, I mean, I acted as the Shabbos Goy for someone. Do you know what that means, Jason? I do not. I went to their hotel room on Saturday night to shut the lights off for them because they're not oh, allowed wow. to operate the, the switches. And so, I mean, that's how specific, I mean, that's the tip of the iceberg for what their, their religion and their culture is like. But Every time I got together with a bunch of ladies or a bunch of guys and we stood and talked, I couldn't, I can't tell you that there's no difference between those people and anybody else I've ever met in my entire life. Right. Like, you know, and so very quickly, I just gave away the idea of like, this isn't like, forget the culture shock. Like, who cares that they don't dress the way I do? Like, what do I, what do I care? You, you know, um, but anyway, they, they, everywhere I stopped, thank you so much for coming and then I, you know, and uh, we appreciate it like that. There was a lot of that. 
But then afterwards, if I stopped to, to stand and, and talk for a second, I lost track of the number of people telling me how digestible the information was and how other people have come and spoken here, but, you know, it's boring, or I didn't understand any of it, or it didn't stick with me. And then a man comes to me, an older gentleman, and he says, 45 years, I've had diabetes. You're the first person that ever stood on that stage and made sense to me. Yeah. And I thought, cool. Like, I don't know why, but everybody mentioned, thank you for making it easier to understand. Thank you for bringing some humor into it. It always feels so sad and sullen and it didn't feel like that this weekend. I said, oh, great. Well, it's not if you don't let it be, you know? So as far as I'm concerned, you are doing what you were put on this earth to do, Scott, with this podcast and uh, with all of your efforts. Uh, It's just, it was meant to be as far as I'm concerned. I appreciate that very much. It means a lot to me and made me feel a little tingly. And it's weird because I'm looking at a picture of you and you look like you could kill a bear if you wanted to. With your hands. <laughs> so, um, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to say goodbye. And then I have other questions for you. Oh, ooh, I do have one other question. Did listening to this podcast lead you to listen to any other podcast? Are you a podcast person now? Yes. Yes. So, um, uh, one of my favorites is fly on the wall podcast. That's with, uh, Dana Carvey and, uh, Oh my gosh, I'm really going to, uh, David Spade. Yeah. I always blanked on David Spade's name. Um, and I, I do listen to other podcasts as well. Uh, now, so yeah, you, you broke the ice, man. When I started listening to juice box, uh, I'm a, I'm a podcast fan now. I'm glad that's excellent. All right, Jason, thanks so much. Hold on for me one second. Okay? All right, thank you. Yep. I want to thank Jason for coming on the show and sharing his story. And actually, I got to meet Jason in person at a speaking event I did recently in Texas. It was lovely to meet him and his family. Let's thank also Omnipod and remind you to go to Omnipod.com slash juicebox to get started right now with the Omnipod 5 or Omnipod Dash. And speaking of Omnipod 5, brand new content coming next week. Look for Ask the Expert in your podcast player. There'll be three episodes on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Other things to look for, the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes, and CozyEarth.com. Thank them so much for sponsoring. And don't forget to use their offer code JUICEBOX at checkout to save 40% off of your entire order. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast, right after I go to touchedbytype1.org and see what they're up to.